All right, Tuesday night, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing good. Be blessed in Jesus' mighty name. Just one thing off the pre the pregame, real quick. I just love that one video because it's coming from CNN, where you have all of these people rejoicing, whether it's Stephen Colbert and numerous others, rejoicing at, at Trump's economic decline, his financial decline, his financial collapse. And all he has to do is sell shares, uh, his shares of True Social. <laughs> He's already, just so everybody knows, he's already worth between three and five billion. That's where the estimates are. Maybe worth more, maybe worth slightly less, but it's either slightly less or slightly more. So he's already worth, let's just say, four billion. If he sold his shares of True Social, that's another four billion. So he basically <laughs> doubles what he's worth if he sells that right now. That's just his shares of it. And he just got the settlement for, what was it, 355 million? I think I said on the. On the previous podcast, that it was 380, whatever it is, 355, 360, whatever it was, million for the uh, Judge Engeron travesty in New York. Yeah. Where he's paying for fraud that there are no victims and there are no complainants. Uh, and just as a side note, there's no fraud. <laughs> so, anyway, um, and I'll get to those. I'm going to get to that in just a minute, more on that in just a minute. But I just think it's hysterical. So, so just make it an easy number to, to talk about. They're estimating it's between 350 and 400 million. That'll end up paying from this this civil lawsuit in fines. Now, this is fines that go to who since there are no victims. But again, I digress. And if I start talking about this, it's 840 and it'll be 910. And, and when I'm done talking about it, and I wouldn't have gotten to one slide. But it's just hysterical to me. All these, all you know, and again, I don't I don't even like to publicize them. I can't, you know, help myself at times with the name, various uh Democrat, Democratic Party. Liberal, I don't even call them liberal, leftist, left-hard pundits that are out there. They're all, if you're on Twitter like I am, and you've got a followers page, those are people that you follow, and you got, um, you know, what's the two pages there? People you follow. and For you. For you. Yeah. For you. Yeah. So you got for you and followers. So oftentimes I switch back and forth. You go to for you, for some reason on your for you page is all left-hard stuff. Yeah. And then on your followers page, not people who follow me, who I follow following. on that page. Yeah, following. Follow, it's just follower page? Following. Following, following. Yeah, yep. so it shows you how much I pay attention. But I just noticed slide back and forth between each one. And you can see yeah. the left hard narrative on the for you page, even though if it's for me, why is it left? <laughs> why is it left hard narrative? But anyway, they're all just rejoicing at Trump's financial collapse. Even if he pays the three hundred and fifty to four hundred million dollars, everybody knows, you know what what a billion is. A billion is a thousand millions. A thousand millions. So even if he pays. <laughs> All of his fines. Yeah. It'll still be maybe, maybe two thirds to three fifths of a billion. <laughs> so you can just rejoice all you want, leftards. You're not going to win. He's got plenty of money. He, there's, there's just, I mean, if he wants to right now, he can liquidate true social. All of his, all, and it, I love how the leftard pundit, although he's honest, I have to give, give it to him, CNN. He's going, well, he can't sell it for six months. Well, whoop de doo. None of this stuff is going to be out of appeals for. Uh, probably till 10 years after Trump is dead. Yeah. So it really won't matter. But anyway, Trump can liquidate all that he wants, and he can easily pay all these fines. So left hard, rejoice all you want, knowing that you're not going to financially collapse or bankrupt Donald Trump. And just so you know, when we're in charge, we'll be hauling you in front of red judges in red jurisdictions with red grand juries and red prosecutors, and you can answer for all of your various malfeasance and crimes, civil or criminal. You can answer for all the, all the times you defamed us. Whenever you call us a Nazi, from now on, that's defamation. 
is you're going to need this. That's the new rules. So enjoy the new rules when they are applied to you. All right, now I just I just titled this part. It's kind of a lengthy little um, dossier that I've put together here of loser states and loser countries. And it's kind of celebrating what Kevin O'Leary says in this video for Mischief. And then we'll go from there. Kevin O'Leary says California is a loser state. New York is a mega loser state. Play for me, other. We've got Kevin O'Leary back with us, O'Leary Ventures chairman, Shark Tank investor. You know, Kevin, you had mentioned, and it was a very profound kind of comment, that, you know, some of these other businesses do have right to be concerned, whether they like Donald Trump or not. Maybe you can elaborate on that. Well, this this award, um, I mean, just leaving the whole Trump thing out of it and, and seeing what occurred here, and, and I'm, I'm no different than any other investor. I'm shocked at this. I, I can't even understand or fathom uh, the, the decision at all. It, it, there's no rationale for it. And so let me give you a real-time uh, experience I'm having regarding this, and I'm not the only one. It doesn't matter what the governor says. New York was already a loser state, like California is a loser state. There are many loser states because of policy, high taxes, uncompetitive regulation. It was already on the top of the list of being a loser state. I would never invest in New York now, and I'm not the only person saying that. And here's a real-time situation. In development in real estate right now, the hottest asset class is very high-end data centers. They cost anywhere from two and a half to three and a half billion each. They are very expensive. They require low power. You need permits. But most of the major institutions in the world need more data centers, and that's why developers like me are doing this. Now, you need power. So New York has Niagara Falls. Normally, you'd consider that to put in one of these facilities, create 400 jobs, five more jobs for each of one of those for auxiliary services. I can't go to New York. So I'm going to Oklahoma, North Dakota, West Virginia. Governor Stitt, Kevin Stitt, my staff have met with him. Governor Bergen, the same thing. Governor Justice, those are winner states. They don't do things like this. I have to syndicate that debt and all that equity. We're talking billions of dollars here. Do you think any foreign institution or any private equity firm or any pension fund would touch New York? No. And that's why New Yorkers should be concerned. The fine people of New York should ask themselves, why are we such a loser state? How are we going to attract business? It's not just the existing businesses that are fleeing out to Texas and Florida. What about new money like this that I'm talking about, like a $4 billion data center? Not a chance I would put that in New York. Zero probability. Never. And so they've got a lot of work to do to find themselves getting out of this situation. This has all occurred post-pandemic. Winner states versus loser states. Look at Tennessee right now, fastest growing city in America, Nashville. Winner state, good policy, competitive taxes. You've got to start thinking about this in the context of winners and losers. New York, mega loser state. And just to put this in the in the simplest of context, you know, because you know, if you're if you're like me, you don't understand hedge funds and all those different things. So I can understand them at the most simplistic levels, but. And he's talking about the various you know, business aspects of things. Of course, that's kind of over my head since I've never been involved in it. But if you just look at what the, the baseline of what Kevin O'Leary is talking about, he's talking about negotiations here. Now, what, what it, Trump has been now found civilly liable, again, by Judge Engeron, who before the trial ever started said he was guilty. How are you not recused? 
when you've already said that he's guilty, and I'll show you a video about why it never should have been sitting in front of Judge Engeron to begin with from Eric Trump. But this is all about negotiations, and I want everybody to think about this. If you are in a negotiation now, and you say, if you're trying to sell your house in New York, or, or obtain, say, a second mortgage, and you say to the bank, I believe that my house is worth $750,000. And the bank goes and does a, a CMA, a comparative market analysis, and finds out that your house is not worth $750,000. It's worth $727,000. Under the state of New York's civil penalties now, you are liable for a fine because you misrepresented your property. That's, that's all that happened to Donald Trump, just so everybody knows. Every single loan that he got off of an alleged misrepresentation of the value of his property, please understand this too. No bank, and I know I went over this already, but no bank is going to loan you money for more than your, your property is worth. Right. When you're receiving a leveraged loan on your properties, whether it's Trump Tower or whatever it is, and you're saying it's worth a billion dollars and you want a loan based on that, you're using your property as leverage, as collateral, I should say. You're using your approach as a form of leverage, but as collateral. No bank is going to give you a billion-dollar loan if the building is worth $100 million. And that's what they're claiming Trump did, not to that level, but that's what they're claiming that Trump did. But even if he did, the banks agreed to it. There are no victims. Every loan was paid back with interest. And on the interest thing, if Trump misevaluated his properties, to his better, he paid more interest. <laughs> so where is the crime? There is none. So just keep that in mind. You might be not be in NYC right now or near. This applies now to all of the state of New York. If you allegedly misrepresent, which doesn't even mean you uh, purposely misrepresent it. You're right. in negotiations. Right. I believe my building's worth this. I, it's your car. You're, you're trying to sell your car to use car lot. And it's not negotiation. You say, my car's worth $27,000. No, we, we found out we blue book value is that it's worth $21,000. you are now a civil criminal. That's, what, that's what's going on in New York. And they are, listen, people are getting out of Dodge. Here's a Kyle Becker video. Here's Kathy Hochul. Play it for me. I just got off the phone with Attorney General Tish James and spoke to her about how this sends a strong message that in the state of New York, businesses, business people who commit fraud and to hide their assets will be caught and prosecuted. Whether you're the president of the United States, a past president and forever past president of the United States, or you're an ordinary business person, no one above, is above the law here in the state of New York. And I congratulate her and her effort for making sure that that is a message that is heard loud and clear not just here in New York, but across this entire nation. I'd love to use more severe language, but that's Kathy Hochul, governor of New York, licking the boots of <laughs> Tish James, who's changed somehow. Her name has changed from Letitia James. So somehow Tish has now been turned into Tish. But anyway, that's her new name. So she's licking her boots because she knows what's going to Kathy. Kathy Hochul knows that if she licks, uh, Tish James's boots right now. Maybe she won't be accused of racism, so she loses her in her next gubernatorial race to Tish James. Right, which is exactly what they're going to do. They're going to target her just like they targeted both Comos. 
And they're both gone now, and I'm no fan of either Cuomo. Can't stand either one of them. But that's exactly what, just like they targeted Barack, I'm just like Barack Obama uh, uh, targeted Bill Clinton, calling him a racist suddenly. That's what they do. And all you leftists, you just enjoy your censorship and your bans and your civil lawsuits and even your criminal lawsuits until it's all turned on you by the very people doing it to us right now. Enjoy it while you still can. But she said in that, in that video, she's talking about if you are, if you are committing fraud, you're going to be caught and prosecuted. Well, what does fraud mean? Exactly what I just defined a moment ago. You're in a simple negotiation with a bank or anybody else, and you say that your business is worth $10,000 or your business is worth $10 million, and it turns out the stock valuation is $8.7 million, but you thought it was worth $10 million. You're now guilty of fraud in the state of New York. If you're a Republican. If you're a Democrat, no problem whatsoever. Right. But if you're a Republican, you're now guilty of fraud, and that's how it works. So Mario uh, Nuffall tweet. Here it is. It's already happening. Businesses flee NYC after Trump ruling. Many businesses are reportedly considering relocation to either Florida or Texas after watching Trump's legal battles. George Washington, law professor, it's one of the greatest ironies of this case in the name of protecting businesses in New York. You probably just led to hundreds of businesses looking at potential rentals in Florida because they look and they go, wow, if we fall on the wrong side of the politics in New York, they could sell us off for spare parts. That's spare parts is exactly right. And they hear, what's the, the thing about this is, is what he says at the beginning, it's one of the greatest ironies. In the name of protecting business, it's the same old thing. It's the same old thing. This is a border security bill. No, it's a border infiltration bill. Safe and effective means unsafe and totally ineffective and actually very harmful. When they say they're going to protect businesses, whenever the left says that they're doing something like protect, it actually means horrendously damaged because it is an inverted world whenever you're dealing with a leftard. And this is what will happen, and it's already happening. Look at this uh, Benny Johnson video, Eric Trump now this time. Eric Trump destroys A.G. Letitia. And by the way, it's L-E-T-I-C. That is Tisha, not Tisha. There's no I, there's no I-S-H there. You're like, Tom, the trivialities. I don't care. <laughs> Honestly, I don't care. And I don't, I don't care. You know, and you've heard me talk about this 5,000 times. I don't like how they changed the name Kiev to Kiev. I don't like it. Why? Because it's stupid sounding. And it's Kiev. And we've been saying Kiev since I can remember in the 80s. Including Ukrainians calling it Kiev. And it's spelt Kiev. Anyway, I digress. So it's Letitia James. Eric Trump's destroys New York AG. Letitia James political lawfare against Trump. Play for me, Heather. Listen, Janine, honestly, my thoughts are the best thing I ever did was get out of New York. New York is a is a hopeless place at this point. It's so sad. This judge ruled against my father before we even went to trial. He ruled against our entire family. It was a setup from the very beginning. This was never supposed to be in that court. It was supposed to be in the commercial division. They would never allow it to get there. This judge, the animosity, the way he looked at my father in the courthouse was was horrible. I've never seen such hatred in anybody's eyes before. Um Janine, we're an amazing company, and I can truly say that I've never, we have never missed a loan payment. We've never defaulted. We've never breached a covenant. Deutsche Bank, they're the most, you know, respected and sophisticated bank in the world. They came in and effectively testified that they had an amazing relationship with us. We paid off every loan ahead of time. They made hundreds of millions of dollars off of our organization. We put hundreds of millions of dollars of, of extra collateral into the respective assets, made them top tier you know, we're called by every single, you know, lender, a platinum borrower. Every single one has called us a platinum borrower. Again, never a default. 
And you have an attorney general who ran on the notion of getting mm -hmm. my father. I'm going to go into the attorney general's office every single day, sue Donald Trump, and go home. I'm going to take him down. You watch. I'm going to sue the blank out of him. That was her political platform. She campaigned on that. She fundraised on that. We didn't have a chance, Janine. We just didn't have a chance in New York because it's a rigged system. And you you could not have a better real estate company than, than ours. You could not have a more professional real estate company. Than and it was never supposed to be in front of Angeron anyway. It was supposed to be in a total different court system entity of the New York court system. It's supposed to be in a totally different entity. I can't remember, marketing, business affairs, something like that. It had nothing to do with Engeron, but somehow it ends up in front of a left-hard judge, which again, you know, and I know, and, I, and again, I, I could spend 30 minutes on it. I'm not going to do it. I just, it all comes down to the corruption of our court systems and hauling people in front of favorable courts. That's, that's what's going on right now. On the left. Now, we're not doing that. We're going to have to do it. Just so everybody knows we're going to have to do it. Now that we, we can't lower ourselves to their standards. You're not lowering yourselves to your standards. You're surviving. You either, you if you're going to be in a gunfight, you have to, and I'm, this is all just symbolic, just so everybody knows. If you're going to be in a gunfight, you better have guns. You aren't going to win a gunfight with your fists. Yep. You can you can know as much karate as you want. You're not going to win. So you have you, we're going to have to do the exact same thing. So what they do is just go, you know what? The marketing and affairs court, which I'm just making, I can't remember what Eric Trump said it was. But anyway, it's not supposed to be in front of Engeron. We're going to put it in front of Engeron anyway. And, and, you know, and it's just, and this stuff continues to go on. And the same thing that happened to Alex Jones in two different left-hard jurisdictions. Same thing that happened in, in Trump's rape case. where That, that rape case was civilly be, beyond the statutes of limitations. It's beyond the statute of limitations. What did they do? Letitia James changed the statute of limitations. We can do that too, by the way. Do everybody realize that? We can go, well, you know what? Because they talk about what, you know, James Clapper and many, many of his, most of his perjurous or all of his perjurous testimony is now beyond the statute of limitations. We'll just change it. Yeah. Just like they do. That's, that, we have to fight this way. If you don't, you're never going to win an election again. You're never going to get a court hearing about the fraudulent elections. Just like you've heard me say uh, however many times now, when you're dealing with the fraudulent elections, everyone talks about Trump lost in every court battle. Trump, Trump didn't lose in every court battle. There was 90-something some odd case. I'm just going to, it's 90-some, so I'll just say 98 some odd cases. Out of those 98 cases, only 30 were heard. The rest of them were, were dismissed for lack of standing, which I don't have time to get into right now. We're dismissed for lack of standing, which means basically... You don't have the right to bring the lawsuit, which makes no sense whatsoever. And out of the 30 that were heard, 22 out of 30 were won by Donald Trump. Yeah. So they're always talking about how he loses all the court cases. That's, that's all lies. And what we have to do, just so everybody knows, is that CNN and Rachel Maddow, and, and it doesn't matter what the statute of limitations are, because when Rachel Maddow defames us, and Trump needs to do this to Rachel Maddow, Reference to the collusion hoax, the Ukraine hoax, and every other hoax that, that she's perpetrated on the American people, as well as Jake Tapper and everybody else. Since they defamed Donald Trump, Donald Trump needs to haul them in front of red judges and red jurisdictions because those broadcasts were heard in red jurisdictions. So all you can do is haul them in front of the red jurisdictions in which those fraudulent broadcasts were heard. Those defamatory broadcasts were heard. That's all you got to do. It has to happen. Just so everybody knows, it's just like Joe Biden must be impeached. 
It's just like Alejandro Mayorkas, even though it appears to be pointless, for the rest of your life, you can say Alejandro Mayorkas was, in fact, impeached. A lot of people think impeachment means when you win in the senatorial hearing. No, impeachment means House voted to impeach you. That's it. When they say the twice impeached Donald J. Trump, Donald J. Trump was impeached twice, but won both impeachment hearings, but they always say twice impeached. Yep. And all of this is about accumulating um, just uh, you know, accumulating negative things that you could say about somebody. You know, Donald Trump's got 90, facing 91 felony counts. That's all that it's about. It's not about any of it being act, you know, actual, factual. It just has to do with them being able to say, Donald Trump is facing 91 felony counts. Just like I wish Donald Trump, but sometimes I love him. I'm voting for him, you know, vigorously voting for him, with zeal voting for him. I'm just saying, when he came out and he said the thing about, you know, it would be nice to be a dictator for a day, authoritarian for a day, whatever it was. Now they're using that every time. And I wish, like, those are the one things that I wish you would. I like the tweets, but I wish th- statements like that weren't made because now that's what we're going to hear regurgitated, and we're going to hear the recording over and over again. We'll see the video over and over again. I wish you wouldn't say it, but that's all that these things are about is being able to say Donald Trump was found guilty of civil civil rape, of, of fraud. All of it's civil, by the way. None, it's not criminal fraud. It's civil fraud. It's, it's civil rape, which makes no sense whatsoever. But, and, you know, E. Jean Carroll, I mean, come on. And, you know, no evidence beyond the statute of limitations. But, again, I digress. Let me just show you this video again really quickly. It was in the pregame, but I just want to use it to set, set up some other videos. Play it for me, other. Gory, is there any good financial news for Trump? Yeah, so very interesting. And Audie, in fact, was the one who pointed this out to me. Trump's true social share worth. So back in 2022, it was about $700 million. Last year, it was less than $100 million. But there's this idea, essentially, that Truth Social will, in fact, be able to go public. And how much would Trump's shares be worth if it does, in fact, go public? It could be upwards of $4 billion. That's billion with a B, not million with an M. Now, of course, keep in mind that Trump can't sell these stocks for another six months. But the fact is, we've had all this bad news for Trump. This could be good financial news for Donald Trump. Harriet. So sue him all you want. Good luck getting $4 billion out of the guy. Good luck with that. You know, It's not going to happen. So, again, I'm not going to digress. I've already talked about it. But... Good luck. Take his three hundred million. Just remember, out of a billion is a thousand million. So congratulations on your three hundred million. Congratulations. He's already worth four, three to five billion already, even without the Truth Social stock sell-off. If he decides to do that, if he ever needs to, because all of these cases are going to be appealed and probably won by Donald J. Trump when they are appealed. All right, Sherry. Uh, Sherry tweet. Just in. I just remember what I'm talking about now. I'm shifting subjects a little bit. I'm talking about loser states and loser countries off of the Kevin O'Leary video. The countries that are losing, the states that are losing, and even I guess I, you know, CNN is headquartered in New York, so loser state, loser <laughs> corporations. Just then, struggling CNN forced to slash top host salaries dramatically. Look at the day on the bottom, two nineteen twenty four. So basically, it's right now. So they're losing, and that, and there's numerous others. Also, we're gonna get to Nike in a minute. They are losing. New York is losing. People, they're hemorrhaging people. They are losing people. Just wait. It's not over. It's just begun for New York, too. It's just begun. On in, look at this video, Wall Street Silver video. Protests break out, and I want you to look at, watch Eric Adams lie in public. I mean, it's really funny. Watch him squirm and watch him lie. Wall Street Silver video. Protests break out in, in loser New York in Harlem after residents find out NYC is turning a luxury building. You know what they're They're prosecuting Donald Trump for fraud that 
doesn't exist against victims that never complain. And the very victims, again, came in and said, uh, we consider him to be a platinum borrower. <laughs> Those are the victims. And, and the same victims, by the way, <sighs> reload. I don't know what the money, what the term, loaned him again, over and over again. Yeah. Between the cases that he's being prosecuted for, they went and got more, they gave him more loans after that, yeah. over and over and over again. He made hundreds of billions of dollars. But what they're, that's what they're concerned about in Eric Adams and Letitia James's New York and Alvin Bragg's New York. That's what they're concerned about is prosecuting Donald Trump, persecuting Donald Trump via prosecution. But this is what's actually going on. Protests break out in Harlem after residents find out NYC was turning a luxury building into a shelter for who? Anybody guess? <laughs> Illegal migrants called by CBS New York asylum seekers. Mm. Asylum seekers. All different names, of course. An asylum seeker is an illegal invader because we live in an inverted world. Play for me, other. Harlem residents went looking for answers Thursday night about a once luxury building on Adam Clayton Powell Jr. Boulevard. The development has sat empty for the past decade until this week when neighbors noticed boxes of bunk beds being loaded in. We were trying to find out what was going on and we weren't getting any answers to our question. They learned City Hall was planning to turn the building into temporary housing for asylum seekers. No, I don't agree with it. It turned into a sanctuary for asylum seekers. No, when we have people right here that need the space. While neighbors were gathering to share their concerns, Mayor Eric Adams dropped in to answer questions. You are the mayor. We do not want to hear excuses. But the mayor announced a change of course. I told the team, find out what's going on here. We're not moving folks into a brand new building when you have long-term needs into a community. That's not going to happen. The luxury building will instead be a shelter for long-term New York City families. You will not have migrants and asylum seekers in that property. Residents told me they're relieved for the change, but frustrated by the city's lack of transparency around opening a shelter in the first place. Many wish they had more input about the building's future. Well, first of all, he's uh, Eric Adams, which never met a camera he didn't love. <laughs> it's, it's not a brand new building. It's an older building that they're refurbishing for asylum seekers. Now, that's and he knew that's what they were doing. But then he goes, you know what I had? I had my people look into it. Uh, your people were doing it, and you knew they were doing it. So as he sits there with his bleach white teeth, he's <laughs> saying he's just bull-faced lying through those bleach white teeth. Bull-faced lying. He doesn't have anybody look into it. He was doing it until he got caught with his pants around his ankles. What you going to do when your pants are on the ground? He's going to lie about it and say, you know what? And this is funny because Aaron filled in the gaps here. <laughs> Because I actually couldn't, I didn't ever thought of it. I honestly didn't. I'm like, what are they, is that just some sort of uh, political speak? It's no longer going to be a building building for illegal invaders. That's their true name. That they call asylum seekers that never actually seek asylum. Because there's nothing to seek asylum from. Because they're 60 pounds overweight with $1,000 cell phones. And they're doing perfectly fine. So why they need to seek asylum. But anyway, I digress. There, it's now going to be turned into a shelter for long-term families. <laughs> What, what 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 is a long-term family? Aaron, you got that? I'm gonna ask Aaron. Aaron, you're gonna answer for me. Ready? Yeah. Aaron, what is a long-term family? Illegal immigrants. There we go. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Everyone's called something meaner. Go ahead, go. Just go yeah. with me. Illegal invaders. <laughs> yeah, invaders. It's, yeah. it's an illegal invader. Long-term family. Long-term. What is, what does long-term mean? <laughs> I mean, I, I when you have a family, all right, two of us in this room have kids. And everybody in this room is married, and everybody's in this room has been married for many years. 
Are, I guess we qualify as a long-term family so I can move in there for free. <laughs> I'm a long-term family because I've been married for 27 years, got two kids, 22 and 25. I guess I can just, 23 and 25, I guess I can just move in because I'm a long-term family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that right? <laughs> I mean, look at that little, what a little spineless, devoid of all self-respect, devoid of all human dignity, per, a person like Eric Adams, d- d- just devoid of, of all you know, honesty. I mean, <laughs> how do you just, how do you live like a person? And how do you vote for a person like that? And he'll be reelected in a landslide. Yeah. By the people mad at him. I don't get you people. I honestly don't get people. Your, your, your city has become a cesspool of violence. Your murder rate's up 25%. Feces everywhere. Needles everywhere. You're being accosted everywhere. And then you vote in the very people that ushered all that in. I will never, ever understand that. I will never get it. Viva Fry video. This is what a modern-day lynch mob looks like. This is Stephen Colbert. Uh, congratulations, Ke- uh, Stephen Colbert. You, uh, yeah, so here, I don't need to read the rest of it, but here's Stephen Colbert, and look at him rejoicing, and then we're going to talk about it. Look at him rejoicing at Trump's uh, financial, although they're not, financial woes. Play it for me. So this is not a great day for Donald Trump, but he told reporters this isn't just about him. It's a sad thing. It's a sad day for New York. Is it, though? (laughs) I got a room full of New Yorkers right here. Let me check. How do you feel about uh, Trump facing criminal justice? (laughs) They hide their grief well. It's just amazing that they can't see the light coming down the tunnel. It really is amazing (laughs) that when you don't allow free and fair negotiations, again, what Trump has been found guilty of was misevaluating properties in the midst of getting loans from banks. In other words, he simply says, my building's worth $100 million. Will you give me a loan based on that? And they come back and they say, no, it's worth $91 million. And that's considered fraud. That's what everybody does. Yeah. Everybody, I think my house is worth a certain amount. It might be worth more, it might be worth less. So even if it's worth more than what I think it is, I'm guilty of fraud because I've misevaluated it. And the banks all gave him the loans anyway and were all paid back with interest. And if he misevalued it to his benefit, he paid more interest to the banks that gave him the loan. Yep. And this is what Colbert is happy about? All right, well, here's some repercussions for you. Breaking 9-11 uh, video. There, there are many such like videos, and I could and I could play you, I don't know how many videos, and most of you have already seen these. The truckers are now boycotting New York. Play it for me. New York, New York, New York. Fucking with Trump. Fucking with Trump. Now the truckers ain't trying to deliver y'all produce, y'all goods. For three years. If you're in New York, you better get up out of there. I think groceries are high now. Y'all better respect Trump's gangster. And y'all better respect that, that MAGA crowd. They're not playing. They're not playing. As you can see, they're not playing. Keep on fucking around. You're going to find out, New York. Tim Ford, copy that trucker. New York City is scratched. In fact, the whole state of New York for me is scratched. I don't even want to go near your border. You hear that, New York? 
Get your shit together. There you go. And Colbert, look how happy it's because it doesn't matter. You get all those sycophants in the audience. That I don't know. I think they let him. They think they let him in free to those shows. But yeah, all those people go to go to his show. Oh yay! Trump is being persecuted via prosecution. Yay! Yeah. Okay. Good luck then. Colbert doesn't matter when he's making thirty million a year. When it, when a stock of celery costs you twenty seven dollars, won't matter to Colbert. But it's going to matter to all those audience members. That's right. And as these 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 very these various pied pipers like Colbert and every. Uh, multi-million dollar alleged Democratic Party socialist that leads all of their all of their minions down this path of destruction? Oh, look at it. We're just so happy. We're just so happy we're destroying the economy in New York. But it, we were getting Trump. We're getting Trump. But in the midst of it, the economy is going to be destroyed. And all of the various followers, yay! While the Pied Pipers tell them this? You, the Pied Pipers don't care. Hillary Clinton's worth $200 million. She doesn't care. <laughs> She doesn't care whether you know whether gasoline's $17 a gallon or not. She doesn't care whether it's $17 a gallon or $3 a gallon. It makes no difference to her. She's got $200 million in the bank accumulating interest every day. She doesn't care. But all the people that follow her and rejoice at the same things that she rejoiced at, when, they rejo- when you rejoice in the same thing Hillary rejoices at, she's rejoicing because she's never going to be destroyed. You're rejoicing in your very destruction. That's right. Amazing to me. It truly is amazing to me. All right, shifting now to Chicago. So that we, just real quick, that we have the truckers. And you can pull up a, a bunch of trucker videos on Twitter, probably other social media sites too. They're boycotting New York, and namely New York City. Boycotting it. Good luck. Good luck and rejoice, Colbert. Oh, we're just so happy. We're just so happy that the economy in New York, you can no longer conduct free and fair negotiations in New York. Good luck with business there. Nobody's going to be able It's just like, it, it, it's the same thing. When it comes down to hate speech or mis or disinformation, who's who is the disseminator of mis or disinformation? Who's the arbiter of mis or disinformation? Who now is the arbiter of when something's fraud and when it's not? If you, I guess, I guess now flea markets have to shut down in New York because if you're selling what you're selling baseball cards. At a flea market, and you say this base- baseball card is worth seven dollars, and the other guy says, "No, actually, according to the baseball card catalog, it's worth six dollars and fifty cents." You're guilty. Yeah, guilty of fraud. You said the wrong number. You're guilty, even if the person pays it. That's right. You offer you'd offer it for seven. The other person says it's worth six, and the person bought it for seven. You're guilty. They can report you to the commerce court and have you convicted for fraud, and you can pay some sort of outrageous penalty. It's unreal. And Colbert gets all excited about it. It's just so funny because Colbert doesn't realize that everything that he's advocating for is going to destroy his very future. Yeah. Eventually, Stevie, they're going to come for you because you're white. And DEI, you know what? I think DEI needs to be applied to late night shows. Eric, do you <laughs> think of them? You got Colbert, Jimmy Kimmel. Who's the guy who was formerly on Saturday Night Live? Oh, gosh. It's Jimmy... Uh, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy yeah. Fallon. Yep. You can tell how much I watch it. Yeah, me too. Thank you guys for remembering <laughs> that. All white dudes. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean that violates DEI. Yeah. All, all white guys. Amazing. And again, CNN's got to look at it too because they're dominated by white people too. 
And their own advocacy is going to come for them. Aaron, you got something? Yeah, uh, John Daly came back to the Daily Show, too, so he's oh, white. Oh, man, that's an atrocity. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, Absolute DEI atrocity. They tried to do other hosts and stuff. They tried, like, black people and Hispanic people and whatever, and they brought the white guy back. So, the white guy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, that's a violation. It's a violation. And again, <laughs> I don't care what color you are. If you're funny, you're funny. And nobody else is me, Trevor Noah. I mean, literally, I'm going to tell you something. I would rather line up for seven straight days of enemas. <laughs> Then listen to Trevor Noah for one minute. Oh. He's got nothing to do with his skin color at all. No, he's not. And funny. I don't find John Stewart to be very funny either. Neither do I. I do like the one thing that he did on Colbert, what referenced the origins of COVID 19, but other than that, not so much. Yeah. All right, switching to Chicago. This whole shot spotter thing, if you're not aware of this, it's hysterical. It's absolute comedic relief happening in, Cha- in Chicago, Illinois, at Brandon Johnson's expense, the mayor of Chicago. Again, the mayor of Chicago. I never thought anybody could be worse than Lori Lightfoot until Brandon Johnson came along. Just like I never thought anybody could be worse than Jimmy Carter until Barack Hussein Obama came along. And I never thought anybody could be worse than Barack Hussein Obama <laughs> until Joe Biden came along. But this shot spotter technology, it's pretty, I have to get, listen, I, I'm not big on big government, obviously, but you have to give tech credit where credit credit's due. The shot spotter technology is they basically have like, for lack of a better term, excuse my tech ignorance there, and you think of a better term, yeah. chime in. But they basically have these shot spotter radar units. Throughout the throughout the city that are specifically tuned into gunfire. Yeah. And yeah. when they hear gunfire, they automatically dispatch a police cruiser to that area. Yes. That's it. And nobody's found guilty, innocent, or anything else. Shots in the area is now immediately dispatched. How does that usually work? I was a cop myself, 25 years, 1992, 2017, right here where I'm sitting, Sarasota County, Florida. And how it usually works, you get a dispatch screen, shots in the area. You go drive around your police car, and you know, how are you ever going to tell? Right. But this year, we'll send you quicker, so when shots are being fired, because normally what happens, you get a dispatch screen, what happened? First call 911, shots fired in the area, then it goes through the dispatch, goes to the dispatcher, dispatcher types up the screen, sends it to the cops. This is different. Automatically goes to the cops, goes to the cops, go to the area. Well, Brandon Johnson decided to get rid of it. You have basically... The biggest hellscape in America, which is Chicago, Illinois, seconded only by numerous other hellscapes, like Democratic Party controlled Chicago, Illinois, Democratic Party controlled Portland, Oregon, Democratic Party controlled Seattle, Washington, Democratic Party controlled Las, Ve- uh, Los, uh, Los Angeles, uh, Democratic Party controlled New York City, Democratic Party controlled Atlanta. All of them are absolute cesspool hellscapes controlled by the Democratic Party. And you have basically just unbelievable, and again, Chicago is what? A gun-free zone. It's funny how I, I don't understand why criminals are how, why criminals are shooting people, namely black on black. Why is that happening when it's a gun-free zone? Don't they know it's a gun-free zone? Yeah. I mean, if it's a gun-free zone, why are they not abiding? Oh, because criminals don't care. But it, so if you take away all the lawful citizens' guns, I, that means all of the criminals will turn in their guns too, right? No, it's just to make you more defenseless, so you depend on government more. And if you depend on government more, that means it can control you. But this, so Brandon Johnson, in his genius, took away ShotSpotter. Name one. Give me a rule. One logical reason why you take away shot spotter. Name it. <laughs> Please just give me give me one give me one logical reason. Like I always ask you, give me one logical reason why Joe Biden five thousand times used pseudonyms on government emails. <laughs> Stingray sixty seven. What was his name? Robert L. Peters. Yeah, Robert, Robert L. L. Peters. Explain. Just left left hard. Any left eight hundred thirty five people watching right now. Any left hard watching, send it. Aaron's monitoring. Yeah. Send it in right now. Give me a list of three reasons why you'd get rid of shot spotter. And, and while you're at it, give me five racist policies of Donald Trump. Give me one. <laughs> give me, give me, give me 
One example of how the border is closed right now. But please, give me, give me one, give me one example. But and again, give me one example of why it was logical for Brandon Johnson. Give me one good reason to get rid of ShotSpotter in New York, which is basically a war zone. But end wokeness video. ShotSpotter just rejected an offer by Brandon Johnson to keep their technology in Chicago until after the summer's DNC. So you know the DNC, Democratic National Convention, is going to be held in Chicago. And what Brandon Johnson did was he canceled ShotSpotter. And just so everybody knows, when you're dealing with these people, okay, it's just like when they talk about oil companies. When they're going to cancel, we're going to cancel, uh, you know, various oil field deal uh, deeds, uh, uh, licenses, uh, permits to drill on. Listen, these people are dealing in futures. They're not dealing with how much money they're making in the moment. They're dealing with how much money they potentially can make in the future. And when you say to these people, you know what, we're going to shot spotter, we're going to take down your technology in six months. They're done. They're done. They have to now go, what are we going to do? Our technology is being taken down in Chicago. We got to move now. But Brandon Johnson says, we're, gonna, we're not going to renew your contract. But we're going to let you uh, stay here until after the DNC. So they want ShotSpotter in place while the Democratic, while the bourgeois leftist globalist elitists are in town. Mm-hmm. Just like I said earlier, when, when you got Gavin Newsom is able to, in London Breed, are able to make San Francisco crimeless in a day. Yeah, and clean. <laughs> yeah, and clean. No feces anywhere. No human yeah. feces anywhere. No needles. No needles. <laughs> in a day. Why? Because... Bourgeois elitist, bourgeois leftist, globalist elitist, Xi Jinping, head of the CCP and the PLA, and the and of course China itself, he's coming to town so they can make it crimeless and feces and needleless in a day. Same sort of mentality here, and all of these people who are treated as peasants and nobodies will then vote in Brandon Johnson again. I guess until it gets bad enough, credit Dan Bongino, until it gets bad enough, you're going to continue to vote for this guy who now he will keep his bourgeois leftist elitist globalist friends safe with ShotSpotter, but not you. Brandon Johnson will have guns to protect him, but not you. He will have walls to protect himself, but not you. And yet you'll vote for him again. And yet you'll vote for him again. So here's what happened. Play for me, other. On Tuesday, Mayor Brandon Johnson said he would give the technology company a six-month extension but end the deal after the Democratic National Convention. Now, late today, multiple sources tell NBC5 ShotSpotter has rejected the city's offer with that extension. So where does it all stand? Let's go to our political reporter, Marianne Ahern. She's joining us now with the very latest. Marianne? Allison and Stefan, busy afternoon. City Hall has not responded to our repeated calls today. However, several aldermen have spoken with those tied to sound thinking, the company that now owns ShotSpotter. Those aldermen are concerned the company will turn off the technology Friday since there's no deal in place. ShotSpotter alerts police departments to gunshots fired through acoustic sensors. That company took a stock hit Tuesday after Mayor Brandon Johnson announced he would fulfill a campaign promise and give the company a six-month extension, but then not renew their deal. The mayor's announcement before he had a deal signed with the company. The city has lost all its leverage when you make an announcement that you're canceling ShotSpotter Uh, and extending it until September without having a signed contract. Likewise, Alderman Chris Taliaferro is also concerned. It is a great loss for the city of Chicago. 
particularly as we prepare to go into the summer months and as we go into a Democratic National Convention already with a police department that is undersized um, by at least 2,000 2, officers. <laughs> Brilliant move by Brandon Johnson. The police, now these, these are aldermen, which are basically so everybody knows. Alderman is a city commissioner. They just go by different names in Chicago. And the last alderman there just stated that their police force is down 2,000 people. 2,000 people. And then you get rid of ShotSpotter, a, a gunshot detection technology that's in place all around the city that dispatches police officers who aren't, because he's thinking you're missing 2,000, so you're missing all that coverage. But ShotSpotter can kind of make up for some of it because it can alert police where the guns are, where, where the gunshots are, are taking place so they can get there quicker. Yeah. And they get rid of it. <laughs> and then, of course, like the other alderman said, the other city commissioner said, we lost all of our leverage. Yeah, when you say to them, you know, we're not going to renew your, uh, you, how would you leverage them? <laughs> You'd leverage them by saying, well, we're thinking about keeping you. Yes. Then you, then you go, you know what? Then they, they sign like a two-year contract. The idiot, Brandon Johnson, and his frohawk, who's a 40-year-old man wearing a frohawk, so yeah, there he is. There's his frolic. <laughs> yeah, that's our little, uh, a little description at the bottom. How he, he what he what he does? He goes, you know what? We're gonna we're canceling your contract, but could you please stick around for six months? Yeah, we're gonna extend you for six months. You know, you go no. Oh yeah, the, now that because again they're operating in futures, their contracts over. They got to get moving now. They don't have time for these six months extensions. That is nothing for them. Yep, they have to go get set up somewhere else. Now, because they're losing the Chicago. Think about that. You're a tech company, and you lose a contract for all of Chicago, Illinois. It's bad. Bad. Bad, bad, bad. It'd be like losing a state. You're out. Chicago's, Chicago's got uh, a citizenry that's probably larger than all of Wyoming. Out. Gone, right? So they lose absolutely all their leverage. And, they, and ShotSpotter goes, you know what? Basically, screw you. Find somebody else to detect gunfire during the DNC, and that's exactly what they should have done. Here's another one for you, breaking 9-11 video. Delusional, after Chicago scrapped its gunshot detection program, Mayor Johnson says the answer is a non-police response. Play it for me. A gunshot detection alternative to ShotSpotter? Then what should replace it? Um, will it still be a form of surveillance technology? Well, and thank you for that question. As I've said the violence that we experience in Chicago is horrific. And though shootings are down, homicides are down, there's still a lot of work to be done. My plan and my vision for the city of Chicago is comprehensive. It's gonna take more than what has been done to get to the results that I'm committed to, to, to see come to fruition. And so investing in people is our best pathway forward. Now, you know, are there other technological advances, you know, that I may not be aware of that provide a non-police response to respond to emergency? Because 40% of the calls that come through are, are mental health crises. There could be some forms of technology that can give us a response so that EMT can show up and mental health crisis providers can show up. I'm not aware of any. You know, but again, the approach here is, is to build a comprehensive approach. And that's what we've done. And so I, I don't want us to, to fall into the trap and the behavior of, of, of old, where we only look at policing as the only form to build a better, stronger, safer 
Chicago. Um, and on the subject, oh, sorry. No, no, you're, it's... It's hysterical. I mean, it really is funny. So I, I look at this now. First of all, let me just address things that are just, um, you know, for me. <laughs> I love how they always go, and you'll see this now with all the congressional hearings, too. Whenever they get a question that confounds them, what do they say? Thank you for that question. It's just a delay tactic so they can think about how in the world am I going to answer uh, my incoherency <laughs> in some sort of coherent manner. Yeah. Something that makes absolutely no sense. How am I going to make sense out of something that makes no sense? And he's saying that he has, he has a comprehensive uh, approach. Name it. What is this comprehensive approach? You're going to like, every police call is now going to involve uh, counselors, uh, what was your, social workers yeah. and counselors. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Uh, a non-police response to emergencies is what he just said. <laughs> Because a lot of these are mental health crises. Anybody out there, 841 people watching right now that I'm aware of, who knows what's really watching because Facebook, of course, bans us, shadow bans us, and limits our reach and everything else. But how many police officers are out there right now that are watching this? Some of the most dangerous calls you could ever go on yeah. are mental health issue calls. <laughs> right. And you're going to send some 87-pound overweight <laughs> A woman or man or couch potato to go answer that call because they've got a, a social work degree or, or a sociology degree or a psychology degree? I wonder what the vehicles are going to look like. What are those response vehicles? Are they going to be able to turn the blue lights on and respond, as Brandon Johnson says, a non-police response to emergencies because he's investing in people <laughs> in his comprehensive approach? He's investing in people. Just, can you just give me a line-by-line line explanation about how you're investing in people and a line-by-line line explanation of your comprehensive uh, approach? It's just world salad Kamala Harris stuff. We're going to have a comprehensive approach. Uh, Brandon, you've already been in office for two years. And I love how he says crimes and shootings are down. No, they've just been reclassified. It's just like, it's just like Biden's border tactics. You know we're, we're, we, we have far fewer people coming through the border. Uh, that would be correct because you divor diverted them to the port of entry inside of Mexico and then drove them across the border yourself so you don't call them illegal border entries. That makes sense, sir? Yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. they're doing. Same thing here. They just no longer call things a crime. When you could steal uh, copious amounts of merchandise without it qualifying as a grand theft, then grand thefts are down. In the state of Florida, if you steal anything over $300 or any merchandise accumulating to an amount of over $300, it's grand theft, right? Well, you just redefine it. Um, now it's $3,000 for it to be grand theft. Oh, look, at it. we got rid of grand theft. That's all they're doing there, too. That's all they're doing. Go, Aaron. I think I found uh, what their cop cars would look like. Here you go. This is, this. <laughs> That's probably what it would yeah, look like right there. That is. Yeah. That's the new Chicago non-police response to emergency vehicle right there. Now we're making that up, but there it is. Let me show you this. More on Chicago. Uh, oh, more, more with Brandon Johnson. This is my favorite one. Chicago, this Sassafras 84 video. Chicago, he has been super clear. Do you vote accordingly, Democrat? Can't get any more clearer than this, Brandon Johnson. So I, I, but it is, it's a yes or no question. Does it end tomorrow? It may be a yes or no question for you. I've been clear. And so you have. Does it end tomorrow? I understand. If you've been clear, we wouldn't be asking the question over and over and over again. 
where is the city in negotiating a short-term extension with shots bother with sound thinking to the September 22nd deadline? Are you confident that they, you will get there or could this technology turn off when the contract is set to expire tomorrow? Well, I've, I've been very clear from the very beginning around this and um, I'm still clear that as we work to give law enforcement time to draw down from this operation that it was important for for me to provide that type of runway look i've made a commitment from the very beginning since i've been in office is to bring people together so that, that we can come up with a viable resolution to to matters that the people of chicago care about so, so thank you as i said i've been very clear from the very beginning of what um, this process entails and that's what the process entails from what I've articulated from the very beginning. I'm a little confused. So does Spot Shutter end tomorrow? From the very beginning? Yes or no? So, so I, I, Let him answer the question. But it is, it's a yes or no question. Does it end tomorrow? It may be a yes or no question for you. I don't dictate how you ask a question. So please don't dictate how I answer a question, okay? I've been clear from the very beginning. So if you want to provide a runway, then why didn't you announce this three months ago and provide that runway for the past three months and then it would just end tomorrow? Because I wanted to do it this way. So just to clarify on that last question, so Sound Thinking has agreed to an extension here. One more time. I've been clear from the very beginning. I've been clear. And so you have. Does it end tomorrow? I understand. If you've been clear, we wouldn't be asking the question over and over and over again. But you're asking him to solve something Now, I'm trying my best to be patient here, respectfully, but it's becoming quite hostile. See, when you think of everybody else as your lesser, your lessers, and and you consider yourself to be everybody's better, you get irritated by questions. Yeah. Because how dare you, as a peasant, ask me? Brandon Johnson, bourgeois, left-hard elitist, a question. And when you're simply asked the question, is shot spotter going to be turned off tomorrow, yes or no? Well, that's not a yes or no question. Yes, it is. Am, Tom, are you currently sitting in Foundation Church's building? <laughs> well, I don't, I, don't, I don't ask you. I don't, make, I, don't make, I, don't, I don't determine whether how you ask questions. You shouldn't determine how I answer a question. Wrong. If I, this very simple question, the answer to that question is yes, I'm sitting in Foundation Church's building right now. That's a yes or no question. Is the technology going to be turned off tomorrow, yes or no? Well, why won't you answer? If you have nothing, I do again, he's, uh, quote, I've always been very clear and I'm still clear. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. I've always been a bold-faced freaking liar and I'm still a bold-faced freaking liar. That's who all the leftards are. If you're, so, if you're so proud of your agenda, why don't you freely speak of it? Why don't you just say, I'm, I'm thrilled. I shut that freaking shot spotter off, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I'm glad that I did it. I'm glad more people are going to die because I did it. And when more people die because of it, they're going the, to make the entire community depend more on government, which is right up my alley because that's what I want. Because if I'm in control of them, then I can manipulate their behavior. Here's more from Chicago. Wall Street Silver video. KFC is leaving Chicago. Play for me. The restaurants are closing their doors. This news came abruptly. It shocked area residents. It's left them concerned about the future of the local economy. Casey Crone is live with the latest. Casey. 
Dunn and Scott, all three KFC restaurants are owned by the same franchisee. The move comes as a disappointment to neighbors and also one local alderman who tells me he was blindsided by those closures. The restaurants are located at 83rd and King Drive in Chatham, where renovations have been underway for several months. Now progress has stopped. The windows and doors boarded up. Also in Grand Crossing, the KFC at 75th and Lafayette will no longer serve customers. And in Bronzeville, the chain at 35th and Calumet has been shuttered. This comes less than one month after the movie theater Cinema Chatham shut down. Sixth Ward Alderman William Hall tells me these closures are a loss for the community, leaving employees out of work and corners vacant. Well, to the entire sixth war, my frustration is your frustration. We share the same frustration. I live here. I don't want to see abandonment. I don't want to see vacancy just like you. Uh, working hard with corporations. Um, we have some challenging times, however. We want to, again, look to the future. Um, hopefully we find or reimagine our corner, even if it means tearing down that KFC and building a new business. But we're not going to stop until that vacancy is filled. Give me a list of your hard work you're doing with corporations. I'd like to know what that hard work is. I, I don't ever see it. But don't worry now. It's a, it's a Blaze video. So I want to give credit where credit is due, but I don't want to tell you who it is yet. Shot spotter has gone out of Chicago. Crime shootings, violent felonies through the roof in Chicago. Should just be mass shootings this weekend in Chicago. Businesses are fle fleeing, but you have this. Play it for me. Hello, I'm Admiral Rachel Levine. This Black History Month, I'm pleased to partner with OMH in advancing better health, through better understanding for black communities. Climate change is having a disproportionate effect on the physical and mental health of black communities. Black Americans are more likely than white Americans to live in areas and housing that increase their susceptibility to climate-related health issues. And 65% of black Americans report feeling anxious about climate change's impact. Through our Office of Climate Change and Health Equity, and the Office of Environmental Justice, we're working with providers and community leaders to identify innovative approaches that empower communities to address the health consequences linked to climate change. Visit hhs.gov for more information and tune in. So there you go. Just again, shot spotter's gone, crime through the roof, businesses are fleeing. But Richard Levine <laughs> is, you know, it's Black History Month, and he wants you, he wants you to understand the impacts of climate change. <laughs> Because he says that 65%, notice I said he, he says, because he's a fully penis man, 65% of black Americans are concerned with climate change. That has not been the witness that I've gotten. No. I, I can't, I will not say that I'm surrounded by a lot of African Americans, but I have, but I do know some, of course, some attend the church here, and I do not see that as a concern in the black community. Matter of fact, I, I, <laughs> I've watched a lot of media, a lot of videos on both sides of the aisle. I haven't heard one black American say that's the problem. No. Whether they may have their leftist concerns or whatever it may be, you know, some. What I'm seeing, the number one concern in the black community right now is illegal migration. Yeah. That's the number one concern. And then the second would be, ec ec you know, um, economic concerns. 65% uh, list climate change as like a priority concern in life. Don't <laughs> think so. And Aaron said this during the, the, the video. Just show us, since you said there's a dis disproportionate impact of climate change. On African-American communities. Explain that to us, please. Yeah. I mean, climate change doesn't exist, so explain how a non-existent problem disproportionately affects the African-American community. <laughs> just give it to me in white paper. Yeah. Give me, give me the data. I'll, you just show me that. I'll put it on the show. 
And I will say those final three words. I was wrong. Give me the data. Yeah. How a non-existent problem is disproportionately affecting African-American citizens. <laughs> I would just like to see that. All right, onward to California here. Kevin Kiley video. Life in Newsom's model for the nation. Play for me. Kevin Newsom has turned the most beautiful state in the country into the most popular state to lead. For 170 years of California history, our state's population grew, and he became governor, and we've declined every year for the last four years. In fact, we've led the nation in U-Haul rentals the last four years. And so this is what life is like in Gavin Newsom's California. We have the highest taxes, yet we also have the highest poverty rate. We have the highest gas prices, yet we also have the worst roads. We have you know, uh, simultaneous flood emergencies and drought emergencies. We spend more than anyone to combat homelessness, yet we have by far the most homelessness. We spend just about as much as anyone on education, yet we have the worst education outcomes. During COVID, we had the worst lockdowns, yet we had among the worst public health outcomes. So everywhere you look, it is the same story. As Californians, we sacrifice the most and yet we get the least in return. Very scary if the entire nation went that way. But according to Newsom, California is a model. What about the, the budget deficit? $68 billion while providing illegal immigrants with health care. Well, that's exactly right. California has a massive $68 billion deficit right now. Uh, other states are running a surplus. So this is a sort of unique failure on the part of California. So there you go. That's because I believe Gavin Newsom is going to be running against Donald Trump oh, yeah. in the general. I don't believe that Joe Biden. They're going to, somewhere around midsummer, this is going to happen. That's that's my opinion, and I'll come out and say I was wrong if I was wrong. I will. I'm not like the COVID caving pastors, COVID caving clergy, COVID caving Christians, COVID caving conservatives that were completely and totally wrong with their masking and their vaxing and their lockdowns and their six foot distancing and their quarantining of their healthy families. I actually come out and say I was wrong when I was wrong. So you have life and, and, and Newsom's model for the nation, highest taxes, highest in taxes, highest in poverty, highest gas prices, the worst roads in the United States of America, the most, uh, the most spent on, compact, on, on combating homelessness and has the, most, the biggest homeless population in America, flood emergencies and drought emergencies simultaneously. That's, now, that's an accomplishment. Yeah. When you can have flood emergencies and drought emergencies at the same time. <laughs> that's an, This is the guy who is then going to run. This is why you have to be ready. And I hope that Donald Trump is ready when he debates Gavin Newsom because De Gavin Newsom is going to come out and say, this survey says this, this survey says that. You have to have the real surveys to answer his fake Goebbels surveys. Yeah. Got to have it. Otherwise, he says, things that, he says things that sound legitimate, and you need to answer him with things that are actually legitimate legitimate he is slick he's slick can't stand him he's a fraud but he's slick look at this one i mean therefore i am tweet sam this is this is brand new brand new accomplishment right here i mean of course this comes from the very area where you have eric swalwell who dated fang fang for who knows how long <laughs> in a sexual relationship with a chinese spy who was <laughs> transported out of the united states immediately as soon as she was found out by the fbi she's gone you have Diane Feinstein, who's driven around in her, you know, another bourgeois leftist elitist climate hoaxing senator, driven around for 20 years by a Chinese spy. Crazy. I mean, we have all that going on. And then you have New San Francisco appoints non first non citizen to serve on elections commission. Kelly Wong, okay, <laughs> of course, it has to be Chinese, right? 
who came to the U.S. in 2019 from China and isn't legally allowed to vote will be overseeing creating policy for San Francisco's Department of Elections. How? I mean, that's amazing. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron very simplistically goes, how? I don't know how. Is you just make it up out of thin air. Somebody who is not allowed to vote will now be overseeing elections. That actually makes sense in the Democratic Party. Yeah. It really does. When you got 7,000 people, 17,000, I can't remember what state it is. I've got it here somewhere in my fraudulent elections pile, on which I'll never get to tonight. But anyway, I can't remember. But anyway, whatever state it was, 17,000 illegals, I mean, dead people voted in one state. Oh, yeah. That's all documented, by the way. I can't believe I can't. Where is it in my stack of crap? Dang, I can't Michigan. It. It's Michigan. Michigan. Thank yeah. you, Aaron. Michigan. So it was 17,000 people illegally voted. And imagine that. Bill Barr says, so I mean, I know this seems a little off topic with this, but this is how it works. You know, basically, who, who, is, who is this woman? She came to the United States in 2019 from China through the southern border like all the other Chinese people are coming through. Dude, who is this person? Nobody has any idea. She, she came from China, and now she's running the elections <laughs> in San Francisco. And what's amazing to me is the Democrats are perfectly fine with that. That's amazing to me. I mean, do you not realize it reminds me of all the trans people that are anti-Israel and pro-Palestine. You realize you could be a trans person in downtown Jerusalem, but you'd be hung by a tree in Gaza, the very people you're supporting? Absolutely. And the same thing here where you're going, you know what? We're just so happy that we have a former Chinese citizen who legally or illegally migrated to the United States of America in 2019. And I'm, I'm sure that it shows that it's legal, but who knows how legal it really was. Now, who cannot vote is now running the elections or as a part in running the elections in San Francisco. And they look, they're like, you know what? Look how compassionate we are. Look how open-minded we are. And it's from China? <laughs> you're, you're happy that somebody who was probably a member of the Chinese Communist Party or even a member of the PLA, because everything is really a member of the PLA, including every corporation, every business coming out of China. And China's buying up farmland. They're the only ones who are buying up they're the second to Bill Gates and the, the largest private farmland owners in America. And they're gleeful about a former Chinese citizen who isn't allowed to vote running their elections, having a part of running their elections in San Francisco. Not realize, do you realize what the CCP is all about? And you're happy that possibly one of their people is running your elections? Amazing to me. Truly is amazing to me. Where am I at? Unlimited L's? Yes. All right, here we go. I have to show you this. So we're talking about loser countries, loser states, and now loser corporations. Nike is set to lay off 1,600 employees. CNN is cutting the salaries of all of their major, uh, what do you, what, their pundits talent. or their anchors. Yeah, or talent. Talent, yeah. their talent. Yeah. Thank you, Aaron. They're cutting their salaries, drastically cutting the salaries of all their talent on CNN. And now Nike, for some reason, Nike is having to lay off 1,600 employees. I wonder why. Play for me, other. Just heading down the Bud Light path. Nike starts <laughs> mass layoffs of about 1,600 employees with the first round already executed on Friday, extending through the end of May. About 2% of Nike's workforce is set to be laid off. President and CEO John Nanahoe said in a Thursday company-wide email obtained by WFAA, this is a painful reality, not one that I take lightly. We are currently performing at our best, and, all, and I ultimately hold myself and my leadership team accountable, as you should. 
You want to put out Dylan Mulvaney dancing around? What do you call those pants that he's wearing? They're leggings. Leggings? You yeah. want to show a man dancing around in leggings? Uh, your sales might go down because someone like me ain't buying Nike. <laughs> you put Dylan Mulvaney in there? I don't. I hate alcohol. I would never buy Bud Light anyway. But for all the people that do buy and drink Bud Light, that's why they're not drinking and buying Bud Light. And Bud Light can sponsor the UFC all they want. When I love the UFC. But I'm telling you, it ain't going to work, Bud Light. Because the only thing that comes into my mind when it comes to Bud Light is Dylan Mulvaney in a bu- in a bu- in a in a bubble bath, and that does not soothe my mind. <laughs> that does not make me feel good. So I know that's a loser company like CNN, loser states, loser cities. Here's another one. Here's Canada for you. Canada proud video. How badly do we need Pierre Polyev to get things back on track? Here's Canada compared to states in the United States of America. Play it for me. Okay, I just found some very very shocking information. If Canada joined the United States and became the 52nd state, Canada would have the most debt than any other state. Canada would have the highest cost of living from any other state, including California, including New York. Canada would have also the lowest income in household income than any other state. And Canada would have the highest cost of living, including your rent, mortgage, groceries, etc. So to put that in perspective, Canada would be the poorest, have the least income and the most expenses than any other state. And that's why it's so crazy expensive to just live in Congratulations to Justin Trudeau after eight years of leadership. Look at all those accomplishments. Truly is amazing. Let me tell you this real quick. Midas Gold Group, my one and only sponsor. I want to tell you this because we have 945 people on. If we get another 14 people on, we break our all-time record. So please like and share, like and share, like and share. Buy your gold from Midas Gold Group. MAGA-owned, MAGA-operated deals only in Physical gold, you've got to have gold backing with the de-dollarization of the globe, the uh, the defunding of the dollar, not defunding, the devaluing of the dollar around the globe, the BRICS movement coming out of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and, and South Africa. You've got to buy gold. I am buying gold. I'm actually buying gold this month from Midas Gold Group. MAGA-owned, not conservative-owned, not Republican-owned, MAGA-owned, MAGA-operated, veteran-owned, veteran-operated. You've got CBDCs coming out that they're going to try to do. Joe Biden is for them. Trump is against them. So vote, of course, accordingly for Trump. But you've got to have gold backing. Gold has never lost all its value, nor will it ever. Buy gold. I am. And when you do buy it from, when you do buy gold, make sure you buy it from Midas. And when you do buy it from Midas Gold Group, tell them that the TLP sent you. All right, back to the show. So here we go. So congratulations on Justin Trudeau. Absolutely crushing his company. I just like this little video right here. Because it shows how bureaucrats actually work. Brad Vice video, watch Trudeau's small business minister, says the government is lowering taxes for small businesses. Yet when I when I asked what taxes they were lowering, she couldn't answer. Play it for me. What I can tell you is, uh, you know, small businesses are experiencing challenges. But again, we're lowering taxes for small businesses, doing everything we can to help support them. Um, but What I believe- taxes are you lowering? Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker, for the, uh, sorry um, for that question. Um, I'll pass it over to my officials who have the answer to that question. So, I mean, tax policies will be sort of more appropriately de- de- sent to Department of Finance rather than us. Uh, what we can say, though, is what we saw during the during the pandemic uh, was actually oh, just specifically what taxes are you lowering? Tax Ten policy, seconds. Tax policy would be a, a matter for the Department of Finance, who'd be in better position to answer. 
Well, if you're going to say you're going to open up your salvo with we are lowering taxes, you ought to be able to answer what taxes exactly are you lowering? Yeah. And she couldn't answer when she's actually asked the question. She says, well, of course, again, it's just the same old thing. There must be a class. They must teach a left-hard class somewhere in D.C. It's got to be D.C. or New York City or Chicago or L.A. There's got to be a left-hard class whenever you are asked a confounding question to start off with, um, I thank you for the question. I thank you for that question. What, what taxes are you actually lowering? She can't answer. It's the same old thing. It's a brand, a Brandon Johnson. What is this comprehensive approach to law enforcement? What, what, is the, what is this comprehensive reform at the border, Joe Biden? There's no specifics. What, what, give us a line-by-line data explanation about how you are, where are you lowering taxes? What is this comprehensive border reform? What is it exactly? Give me line-by-line what exactly you're reforming. This is what you always have to do. Ask a leftard. Tell, give, me a, give me a list of everything racist Donald Trump ever said. Give me, every, give me every racist policy he tried to implement. Give me, give me a list of all, since Whoopi Goldberg has said it, and I'm trying to remember who the other leftard that, was, that said it recently, that Donald Trump's trying to, uh, try to bring people, you know, uh, usher people into camps, whatever it may be. You know, uh, make, force people into camps. Explain, give me one policy that ever led you to believe that Donald Trump is going to force people into camps. That's what you always have to do is make it very specific with these people. Here's not, again, loser countries, loser states, loser corporations. Another loser country, Australia, Avi Yemeni video. Wow, Australia's e-safety minister, right out of Goebbels. E-safety commissar, called commissioner, abusing her power <laughs> to wage war against Elon Musk. Play it for me. Okay, referencing your panel session at Davos, your office has just sent Twitter a notice regarding their allowing hate on the Twitter platform, including allowing previously suspended users back on the platform. Yep. Can you give me examples of Australian accounts that X has allowed back on that your service, that your office objects to? Um, well, so the online hate notice looked at the range of trust and safety governance steps that they had taken, in, including firing 80% of their safety engineers, more than half of their content moderators, um, and 80% of their public policy personnel, so the people that actually look after the safety. We did ask them, they, um, it was reported that 62,000 um, previously banned users, and to be permanently banned on Twitter, um, you have to, you have violated the policies pretty egregiously of a number, number of times. Of so I, we asked them the question and they responded, uh, when we asked about the 62,000, they responded with 6,100. We assumed that that meant they reinstated 6,100 previously banned Australian accounts. Um, which wasn't um, in the manner in, uh, in form of, uh, of the notice and the question which we so, asked them. Yeah. But they didn't name what those specific ones were, but they did tell us that there are no additional um, safety provisions even though they have been per, uh, permanently banned for online hate in it some cases. It seems to me, Ms. Grant, that you're assuming the previous bans were in order. Have you explored those previous bans before coming to that judgment? Well, so... Twitter, as the company, had a whole range of policies, including a hateful conduct policy. They, they remove or they... they so you haven't. You, what you've done is you've gone off their interpretation of their policy, even though we know they were biased. Well, that's you, the, can, that's the only thing we can do, please. Senator. Senator. Could you come back to my question, allow. please, and give me examples of Australian accounts? Senator Roberts. 
Give me. I appreciate that you're uh, you're um, somewhat agitated, but if you could please respect the witnesses and allow them to answer. Well, I'd like the, the witness to give me examples of Australian accounts that X had allowed back that your office objects to. That's my question, and you haven't answered it. I didn't ask them specific questions about which uh, accounts that, that there were. I asked for the quantum of the numbers. Okay, thank you. So, are you setting yourself up as an arbiter of what should and should not be seen online? No, uh, I am not. I am. I am. I've been designated by the government to serve as the e-safety commissioner and remediate harms of online individuals that have experienced online uh, online abuse and, in most cases, have reported that abuse to the platform. The platform hasn't enforced their terms of policy, so we are there as a safety net or a backstop to help remediate that harm. Thank you. You're a so there you go. She's there for a backstop. She she needs to protect you. Australians <laughs> from hate speech. I don't need your protection. So if I don't need your protection, then why are you protecting me? How many Australians, even left hearts, how many of you really feel like you need protection from somebody's words? I know there's plenty of, probably 30% of left hearts feel that way. They need a safe space. But I mean, how many of us as adults really feel the need to be protected from words from our government? The what's she called? The e safety commissar. Of course, I know I'm I'm renaming her e safety commissioner, but it's really the commissar. It's really the the uh, what was Hitler's thing? I can't remember the. Oh, gosh. I can't remember. Aaron doesn't remember. I don't remember. But anyway, Hitler's ministry of propaganda. Yeah, ministry of propaganda. Ministry of truth. Whatever yeah. it was. Whatever whatever Hitler's was. And it's amazing how the demons always always re-represent themselves. Again, every, every single, the same exact demons come out the exact, you know, with, the, with the exact same verbiage. Whether it's ministries of truth, whether it's the disinformation governance board in the United States of America, whatever it may be, here they come again, just like they were in the 1930s. Here they come again because demons, ministry for public enlightenment and propaganda. That was Hitler. And now you've got Australia's e-safety commissar. <laughs> And here's, here's what she says. She says, she puts out a public statement that X is allowing more online hate. Elon Musk and X are allowing, that's her public statement, as the e-safety commissar, that, e, that X, Elon Musk, is allowing more online hate. So she's asked, point blank, which, account, which, which accounts is this hate speech coming from? He's not even getting into the argument about whether she should even have a job to somehow govern speech in Australia. That's beside the point for now. And, and by the way, where did she just come from? Davos, Switzerland, <laughs> the World Economic Forum. That's where she was having her various meetings with, uh, various meetings with government entities and, of course, tech giants. So if she's going to put out a public proclamation that there is, more now, there is now more hate speech on X than ever, basically, then you ought to be able, again, we're going down the specifics here, you ought to be able to name which accounts are propagating hate. But she says, so she's asked by Malcolm Roberts, which accounts um, are, are putting out hate speech? And she says, I didn't ask. And her, 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 so she doesn't know which accounts are actually putting out hate. That's what you do to a left hard because they operate in generalities. Comprehensive border reform. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're trying to, Brandon, John, Bronson, uh, Brandon Johnson, Chicago, Chicago mayor, we're getting rid of shot spotter to, ha to have a non-police emergency response to emergencies. <laughs> um, we're trying to bring people together. We're having a comprehensive approach to law enforcement here 
What is, okay, name exactly what that, give me a list of what that means. You know, we're working hard with corporations. Tell me how you're working hard with corporations. Just tell me, what are you doing? Yeah. I want, I want specifics. She's asked specifically, which accounts are propagating hate? Again, besides from the argument that she shouldn't even be governing any speech to begin with. And she can't name one because she didn't ask. What she says is that they had 62,000. So Elon Musk is a, this is the horrible thing that Elon Musk has done. Is they had 62,000 banned accounts in Australia alone on X. They allowed on 10% of that back, 6,100 back. And because of that, there's more hate being spewed on X than ever, according to this woman, right? But she can't specifically tell you what, what accounts are, are actually propagating hate. She can't, she can't actually name the accounts. And again, with these 62 accounts that were banned, what was, what was the hate and who is the arbiter of hate? Does hate mean anything against the liberals in Australia? That's what hate means. To, when they say that they want to get rid of hate speech or miss or disinformation, hate, miss, or disinformation is anything that stands against the globalist, leftist, left-hard movement. It's got nothing to do with miss, disinformation, or hate. Nothing to do with it. Just like all their climate mitigations have nothing to do with CO2 levels, they only have to do with controlling you. Let me show you this. Peter St. Ange video about Germany's industrial superpower days are over. Again, it's about loser cities, loser states, loser countries. Here's another loser country, Germany. Play for me. Germany, Europe's largest economy, is deindustrializing faster than a grad student can throw soup at a Picasso, setting itself up as the first big victim of the green jihad and their Stone Age fetish for making us eat bugs. Fresh data says Germany's industrial production fell for the seventh straight month, bringing it to levels last seen in 2006, that's 18 years ago. Another 5% and they'll be at 1990s levels when the Berlin Wall fell. As Ms. Shedlock put it, quote, Germany's industrial superpower days are over. Of course, while Germany's largest industrial economy in Europe, the problem is Europe-wide, given the influence environmental activists have in Brussels, extending way beyond throwing soup at Picasso's all the way to deindustrializing the continent and handing their economic destiny to a third world who China and Russia are busy recruiting into their anti-Western BRICS block. As Bloomberg put it, quote, Germany's industrial machine have fallen like dominoes with the final blow, quote, the end of cheap Russian natural gas. Hope the Ukraine meat grinder was worth it. So first the numbers. Germany's output slumped 1.6% on the previous month. That's an annualized one-fifth drop, almost 20%. Economists had expected 0.3% growth, suggesting that Europe's mainstream economists are as useless as our own. The biggest drops were energy and tech-intensive sectors, where the Greens have replaced cheap fossil fuels with trillion-dollar gimmicks, paving the continent with dodgy solar and bird-chopping windmills. Construction fell 3.4%, chemicals dropped 7.6% to 1995 levels, energy dropped 15% in one month as Germany's last nuclear reactor, its last lifeline, was mothballed. To give a sense, Bloomberg profiled a Dusseldorf steel plant closing after 124 years, laying off everybody but the guys whose job is to disassemble the machinery and presumably sell it for pennies on the dollar to China. The data would have been worse, but for a rebound in cars, where American and European consumers are digging even deeper into debt to make up for the cars they didn't buy during the supply chain crisis. 
and also airplanes, where Boeing's clown show has driven orders to their main competitor, Europe's Airbus, with China waiting in the wings. So what's driving it? Easy energy. As Brussels deconstructs Europe's productive economy, so the weather gods stop making grad students glue themselves to highways. In just three years, Germany's energy prices have jumped almost 150%, driven both by decommissioning local energy and by the Russia sanctions and green activists who have now shuttered both nuclear and coal, leaving renewable gimmicks to pretend to provide energy. Ironically, even solar panels are cutting staff and closing down, hampered by energy prices, it takes a crap load of energy to make a solar panel, and by cutthroat competition from China, which dumped trillions of subsidies into its own solars, which in turn are wiping out Europe's crony green manufacturers, as well as America's. So what's next? Brought to you by Unchained.com. What's next is Europe is disassembling its economy and shipping it overseas, with America not far behind. German chemical giant BASF just plowed $10 billion into a state-of-the-art manufacturing complex in China. The West is throwing away energy, is throwing away farming, is throwing away manufacturing, handing it on a silver platter to countries too poor to have climate cult grad students deciding their economic destiny. But what ended? Easy populist gaining power and actually helping the industries that sustain our prosperity. The Global Uniparty, of course, likes what's happening just fine and will do everything they can to prevent that. A new episode of the podcast just dropped. Check it out at PeterStAnange.com. There you go, Peter Sainange. Just a real quick on this. So their energy prices have gone up in just the last couple of years in Germany, 150%. So it's just like this. And now they're going to shut down the very things that have kept it at only 150%. Their energy prices have gone up 150%. While they still had coal, while they still had nuclear, while they still had the Nord Stream pipeline, so Biden blew it up, their prices still went up 150% because they're shutting everything down. And while their people, listen, this is a big deal in Germany because you can flat out freeze to death in Germany. Yeah. Flat, this isn't like, you know what? We have a power outage in Florida. Okay, you might get hot. <laughs> but there ain't nobody going to die. There ain't going to be anybody freezing to death or even really dying of if, even heat exhaustion in Florida because you can find shade. But the thing is, in Germany, you can flat out die. And same thing with Canada. You can flat out die without energy. And their energy price has gone up 150%. And the very things that contained it at 150% are now being taken down. And the funny, So that's like being punched in the face and then going up to the person who punched you in the face and spreading your legs say, how about kicking me in the nads too? Yeah. That's exactly what they're doing. And I just love the one little part there about solar panels. <laughs> that basically it, it, it costs way more than what they'd ever save in CO2 emissions to actually build a solar panel. <laughs> and it was way too expensive for them to do it, so China's doing it. <laughs> so China gains more and more control, which I don't have time to get into right now. Let me cover you the four minutes in overtime, but I had to cover the pedophile section of the show tonight. And I'm really, this is part of my border, uh, the border section of the show, but it focusing on children coming across the border. Here's a great interview. Some of you probably have already seen this. Dr. Phil shares on Joe Rogan, chief nerd video. Dr. Phil share, shares an explosive interview with border patrol. This is, I believe this guy is the head of the border patrol union because I've seen him before. With Border Patrol showing American taxpayers are funding the trafficking of migrant children into sex slavery. Play for me, other. 
these children that are coming in with someone that says, I'm their mother, aunt, uncle, or whatever, we have no way of verifying that. We do not. We used to, President, under, under President Trump, we had rapid DNA testing. That's been done away with. Are they given money, these people that are released into the country? So it's our taxpayers that ultimately facilitate the travel. But yes, travel is facilitated, and they are given all the necessities that they need. But that could be a trafficker. There's a very good possibility that they're being trafficked, that they're going into the sex industry, or they're being forced into the sweatshops. And, and we know that. We're, we, we knowingly are spending our tax dollars to sell children into sex trafficking. How under any theory is that okay for us to be spending tax dollars to traffic children? Holy shit. Now, this is the head guy on the border. And I asked him when this went on a little more, we went in more depth. You know you're on camera here, right? You just said we're spending tax dollars to sell children into sex slavery. And he said, yeah. I said, why have you not talked about this? He said, nobody's ever asked me these pointed questions. But I'm grateful that you're asking them now. That's how out of control we are down there. We are, we are paying money to take these children and sell them into sex slavery. They, they, they come in with these addresses written on their bodies, written on their arm, and we call up there and say, uh, do you know so-and-so? Yeah, yes, uh -huh, we're waiting for them. Okay, they'll be on a plane or a bus, and you need to pick them up. And, and I ask him, so some pimp or trafficker or whatever is picking them up up there, and he said, we are knowingly sending them up there for that. And he said, it's terrible, but that's what's happening. So here's my thing. So these, these kids, they have names and numbers written on them. Okay, who writes the names and numbers on them? I'd like to know that too. And we're finding out that there's a lot of funding going on via the Red Cross, via Mayorkas, but I don't have time to get into that right now. But anyway, so who writes the names and numbers on these kids? And what happens? They go up and they say, okay, here's the name and number of who to call. You got a four-year-old girl. And again, let me just, I don't mean to, I don't mean to be overly... Uh, gross here with this, but again, I just bring back the story that we we documented on this podcast where you had an eight-year-old girl show up at the border with 56, 56 different specimens of semen inside of her body. So that, we know that's going on. So these children are four years old, have a name and number written on them, right? The system, the the system for automatic DNA Testing has been removed from the border. That's been removed. I don't, I have that, I actually have that slide. Maybe I should find it. I don't know. I'm looking for it right now. But I'm just give me one minute. I may throw that in there for you guys. I know this is really uncomfortable, but it's really not uncomfortable for me. No. My soul is gone. But anyway, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if, I don't know if, it, what slide I have it on. But anyway, the D, the, we had an automatic DNA system that was put in place under Donald Trump. And Joe Biden took it down. So you had automatic DNA tracking. So when you had a child show up and you had somebody claiming to be that child's relative, they could DNA check that person now on the spot. That was removed by Joe Biden on day one. Why? Again, if you're a left heart and you're watching this, send me a message. Aaron will see it. If you send it right now, Aaron will see it. Yep. Send me a message right now on the Rumble chat 
of give me a reasonable explanation of why you would take down automatic DNA monitoring. Why would that be taken down? It's, it's as if you want to facilitate child sex trafficking, putting children into the hands of unknown persons. Yeah. Before we had automatic DNA check. This is Uncle Billy. Okay, well, let me see if Uncle Billy's DNA at least matches the five-year-old girl he's trying to take custody of. And that was taken down by the Biden administration. That's an absolute fact. You can pull it up. You can Google that right now. It's not left-wing. It's not right-wing conspiracy theory. You can Google it right now. Automatic DNA tracking taken down by the Biden administration. So that you can't even check to see if the kid, if, if the people that these kids are being delivered to are their relatives. They have a name and a number written on their body somehow or attached to their body. And then they are automatically delivered to the name and number that's, that's attached to their body. So you have, you know, uh, child A, let's say just an 11-year-old girl who has no idea what's going on, is now being delivered to a name and number in Oklahoma City that she has no idea who they are and they're not being DNA tested to see if they're DNA matched, to see if, 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 even if they are relatives because Joe Biden took that down. Well, give me one reasonable explanation about why you would take down automatic DNA tracking. Why? Why would you? It's already in place. It's already been paid for. The infrastructure's already in place. Why would you take it down? Except if you want to be deceptive. Except if you want to traffic people without, without being able to be tracked while you're trafficking people. Yeah. You, there's no record now. You can, you can track, you can deliver a seven-year-old girl to an unknown male in Dallas, Texas, without there being any record of it whatsoever. Nobody will be able to say, well, was it a DNA match? Well, no, we delivered, him to, we delivered her to him anyway. Nobody can do that now because the whole system has been taken down by Joe Biden. Left hearts, send me one reasonable explanation about why you would take it down. So now these kids are labeled with a name and number and delivered by Catholic Charities. Catholic Charities is a facilitator of sex trafficking. They are. So's the Red Cross. So's the Biden administration. So's Alejandro Mayorkas. Why is 85,000 kids missing? At la that, was, that was a 2023 number. And it's 10 times that many. Missing into oblivion. Given a name and a number, they have, and we, we've shown the videos before, nobody's doing background checks on who these kids are being delivered to anyway. That's right. They're not, so there's no DNA check. There's no background check. There's delivered. You're a four-year-old child showing up at the border. Remember the old kids in cages controversy? I think the kid would rather spend a month in a cage fed three times a day if you want to call it a cage, they're being sex trafficked in downtown Portland. Don't you? So are the Democratic Party, are they the party of pedophiles? I'm no angel video. He, he or she asked that question. Are they the party of pedophiles? Play for me, other. These are the times that I am discouraged about my job as a representative and also just what happens here at the Capitol. We sat in a committee all day discussing whether or not somebody that buys little children, these are two, three, four, five-year-old kids, and they buy them for sex, that we tried to get a bill through, Representative Bradley sent one through, 
that was going to put these buyers in jail. Right now, most of the time, they get off on probation. Almost all the time, they get off on probation after buying a child and raping a little child. And we tried to say, well, they need to at least serve a minimum of four years. And then we sat and listened to the Democrats fight against this bill, fight against putting these people in jail, and came up with all kinds of reasons, including that these buyers are victims themselves. This is very discouraging, and it's also very disgusting for me that they would actually defend this. And then they voted completely along party lines. The Democrats voted 100% that they did not want to put these pedophiles in jail. They defended the pedophiles. This is why it's so difficult sometimes to do what we do around here. We know we're on the side of right. We know we're on the side of morality. And we get shot down by, I do not understand the thought process behind this, but we do get shot down. This is why I would encourage you to do a few things to help us with this. So there you go. And it's etching forward slowly but surely. I mean, you have to start asking me, listen, this is an over, overly generalized statement, but if it talks like a duck, quacks like a duck, uh, flies south for the winter for a duck, lands in a lake and paddles around like a duck, it's a duck. And why are Democrats facilitating child sex trafficking across the border? Why are there 85,000 kids missing at the border? Why are NGOs putting numbers on kids and delivering them to unknown strangers all over the country via bus, via airline, via everything? Why, why exactly? Why, why do you have an open border with 12,000 illegal invaders crossing the border every single day? 8,000 a month under Trump, Trump 12,000 a day under Biden. Why are you a Democrat in the state of Colorado refusing to prosecute or even condemn pedophiles? Slowly but surely, they are trying to normalize sex with children. And they are trying to de- uh, desensitize kids against sexual behavior aimed at them, i.e. trans drag shows where you got a 48-year-old man twerking his taped-up genitals in an 8-year-old girl's face. They want to desensitize that 8-year-old girl to aberrant sexual activity so she's more open to it. You're like, Tom, that makes, you just listen, it makes no sense, it makes perfect sense. Every left-tard society that has ever existed, and that includes all weirdo monarchies, all authoritarian governments, Aztecs, Mayans, whatever it may be, they were all doing weird stuff with kids. Yep. Period. Whether it's sacrificing them on the fires of Moloch, whatever it is, they're doing weird. What's that called, Aaron? The Bohemian? Whatever Bohe- that, Bohemian uh, Grove? Bohemian Grove. Weird. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Weird crap with kids. Yep. So... We need to be looking, as, and again, it's not, when I say left hard, I mean rhino Republicans too. We need to be looking into why it is that, why politicians are allowing, Matt, why would you every day go to bed, sleep like a baby at night knowing you are facilitating child sex trafficking at the southern border? Why? How can you? How can you? This was not going on under Donald Trump. They can say whatever they want. We've always needed, for decades, we've needed comprehensive border reform. Okay, under Donald Trump, we had remained in Mexico, 8,000 illegal border invaders per month. And under Joe Biden, 12,000 illegal border invaders per day. 300,000 per month. And I'm not going to get into that freaking border bill again because that's already 1016 and it will be here until 1045. Me just talking about that. (laughs) Riley Gaines video. 
Now, is this man that's represented in this video a Democrat or Republican? Play it for me. Okay, for the longest time, I refrained from posting on TikTok. Um, I'm the swimmer who competed against Leah Thomas, who has been outspoken on why men should not be competing in women's sports or changing in our locker rooms. But after what I saw today on Twitter, I will be blasting my opinions and my views on all of my social media platforms because this is sick. And I think a true testament of where, as Americans, we are today. Okay, so I came across this picture yesterday on Twitter which is very clearly a man who is claiming the identity of a woman and breastfeeding a child. After seeing that picture, I very quickly took to my Twitter to call that what it is, which is sexual abuse of a child. But I didn't realize to what degree until I saw this. In the following photos, you will see the same man who was breastfeeding the child actively using nipple clamps to fulfill his sexual fetish. Here is another one. And here is another one. And here is the Instagram caption from the same man on his Instagram profile where he wanted to check on how hard you can tug on the nipple clamps. So I guess what I'm wondering is how can any sane human being see this man posing with this child, obviously sucking on his nipple, now seeing what he engages in privately and not see this baby as an erotic prop for this man with a sick fetish. It is sexual abuse of a child, bottom line. And all of this to say that in America, we are normalizing pedophilia. Um, let me repeat that. We are normalizing pedophilia. And we're normalizing this behavior in the guise of human rights. But sexual abuse is not a human right for anyone. I hate to even be spreading this message, but I think people need to see it. Um, it's up to us to stand up against evil, which is exactly what this is. This is a battle of moral versus evil. The smirk on this man's face says it all. There you go. Now, well, that man who's a trans, uh, trans, I, I refuse to call him there. They, 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 by Democrat, in Democratic Party circles, we call it a trans female. He's just a man dressed up as a woman who has a Little infant, I'm assuming that he's adopted somehow or another, Ugh. sexually gratifying him while it sucks on his nipple. That's exactly what's happening. Is that man a Democrat or Republican? Where are all the Dem why, what Democrats? Why are you not coming out against this if you are not for pedophilia? Why are you not coming out against this? How can you not be against a man basically... Victim, not basically, victimizing a child, an infant child, male or female... Sucking on his nipple when he is a known nipple man. Yeah. He's got it. He's, he's put himself online with nipple clamps, talks about sexually gratifying himself by stimulating his nipples, and now has a child sucking on his male nipple. How does that, Democrats, how are you so devoid of all human dignity and all integrity that you will not come out against us? Well, here's the reason why. Here's another one. Lips of TikTok video. Unbelievable. Garrett Jones, assistant principal... You wonder if he's a Republican or a Democrat. Is fine with porn in schools. Play for me, other. I believe you two have children. Is that correct? Yes. What ages are they? Uh, 18, 16, and 13. And would you find it appropriate if they brought this book home? We're talking about dirty magazines and pornography in a K to five environment. I think it would open up a conversation that we would have. So you think the book is appropriate in the K to five environment, even though it's referenced in pornography and dirty magazines? I think in my. Um, 
what I voted for was that it would be for the three to five um, age group. Which would be what ages? So that would be um, eight to 10, 12. So you think an eight-year-old would be appropriate age, appropriate to be reading about pornography in dirty magazines from school? Yes. Hey, put that video back on, guys. What was that age again? I missed the age because I was looking at something else. What's the age? He, what was it? Eight to 10, he's fine with porn. All right, so there you go. So he said three to five, three to fifth graders. Yes. So that's what, Heather, you said eight to 10? Yeah. All right, she's still got kids in school. So he's got, yeah, she just, she just elaborated, homeschool. Yeah, <laughs> homeschool. I agree. Yeah. That's why, you know why she has her kids in homeschool? Because of Gary Jones. Yeah. Who just said publicly, who has kids of himself, and she, she point blank asked him. Point blank asked him. It, it reminds me of when in, in the uh, Virginia House or Senate, whatever it was, where their abortion bill was being questioned, and the and the the Republican person who's questioning the the abortion activist congressman or woman asked, "So you're saying that when a child is in the birth canal, that child can be aborted?" She says, "Well, it's up to no, no, no. It's not up to. Don't talk to me about it. it's up to a doctor, up to patient. We're asking you according to your bill." Can a child be aborted in the birth canal while the mother is giving birth? And she had to answer the question, according to your bill, is that correct? And she had to say, yes, you can abort that child in the birth canal in the 10th month of gestation. While the baby's being born, you can kill the kid, right? So this, this assistant principal, Garrett Jones, he's asked point blank, you are fine with pornography. Point blank, he's asked with <laughs> pornography, for kids in your school, in what age brackets? He says three third graders to fifth graders. And what is that age bracket? Eight to 10-year-olds watching porn. Oh, my gosh. Eight to 10-year-olds. That's what he's fine with. So the Democrat, and why is that? Because they want to desensitize. What, a, what kind of perv is this man? They want to desensitize kids to aberrant sexual activity so they are more easily victimized. That's right. Because leftards are, listen, leftards are either pedophiles or they want to legalize pedophilia and victimize kids. What, what other evidence do we need? And oh, dr drag shows for kids on military bases paid, by, paid for by you and I. Drag time, drag show, or drag queen story hour in our, in libraries. Yeah. We we've we've shown it many times. The the various drag shows in bars. We got these thirty seven year old women with their eight year old girls having a forty eight year old man twerking their taped up genitals right in front of their girl's face, and the mothers turned on. Yeah, aberrant sexual activity. They are trying to desensitize children so that these children are open to the sexual advances. Of adults, this has happened with the UN too. I have, I actually have the documentation. It's nothing you can pull it up right now. There's a U the UN is trying to sponsor international pedophilia. They're trying to lower the age or raise the age, lower the age of consent. Yeah. Do I believe it's 14? So basically, a 14 year old can have sex with a 38 year old. That's what they're trying to do, and it's in the UN Charter. It's not. It's not right wing conspiracy theory. It's absolute truth. Absolute truth. And this man is asked, Gary Jones, assistant principal, when's porn good for the kids? Anybody eight to ten is perfectly fine in my school watching porn. This is the Democratic Party 2024.
25 minutes overtime. Listen, congratulations to everybody out there. 993, Aaron? Yep. We're at 993 people watching right now. What's our Rumble total? 873. 873. We're only, so that makes us what? Uh, 127 people away from our goal. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody who's watching, thank you. Love you all. Switch to Rumble if you're watching on any other, any other platform. Rumble's the only free speech streaming platform out there. Buy your gold for Midas. Stick around for the post game. I'm going to stop talking. We're going to run, I don't know, about five minutes worth of awesome videos, awesome stuff. Stick around for the post game. It's fantastic. Really, seriously. Stick around for it. Love you all. God bless you. Back here Thursday night, full 90 minutes of fury. Although tonight... It was 115 minutes worth of fury. <laughs> so stick around. Stick around for the post game. Be back here Thursday night. Sorry about the tech screw up. On, it wasn't a screw up. It was just a malfunction. Nothing we can do about it. On Saturday, hopefully it never happens again. It's happened to us a couple times. But let's let the past the past. Nothing we can do about it. So be back here Thursday night, 8.30, full 90 minutes of fury. Love you all. Thank you for the record numbers. Thank you, guys. Love you all. Be blessed in Jesus' name. watching the Tom Lipley podcast, please consider investing in our program. Go to TomLipley.com and donate $25 or more and we will send you this TLP mug warmer. We look forward to you tuning in next week and thank you for giving.